Welcome to Room 106. I'm Richard Garlick from Planning Magazine. And I'm John Gagan, also from Planning Magazine. Every fortnight, we enter Room 106, the den of discomfort into which all new planning information is deposited, and extract the key things you need to know. The Labour Party said that if it came to power, it would reintroduce requirements on local areas to build in line with local housing needs. We'll examine what that might mean. A senior civil servant has told MPs that the government's proposed replacement for the duty on local authorities to cooperate will not be used to agree cross-boundary housing targets. We'll expand on that and other revelations made to the Select Committee. And we'll consider the latest agreed amendments to the levelling up bill that is going through Parliament, including a power for authorities to refuse to determine any applications from slow building developers across their entire areas. We'll also round up some of the other big news stories of the past fortnight. By the end of the show, your next team meeting should hold no fears. So, the moment of truth. Ready to go in? OK. Well, here we are again in Room 106, looking particularly stuffed this week with local authority election leaflets. Yes, plenty of planning promises on those. But it's nice to see a familiar face. It's our online editor, Toby Porter. Hello, Toby. Hiya. Hi, Toby. You've been looking at some of the things the Labour Party's been saying about planning. What's Labour saying that it's going to do on, on planning? The Labour Party has said it would reintroduce the requirement for councils to meet their local housing need when planning for new homes and reverse the government's recent controversial national policy changes as part of a series of what it calls robust reforms to the planning system to boost housing delivery. Okay, interesting. And when they say reverse these changes, these, of course, are the proposed changes in the MPPF, I presume, which uh, which have not yet been implemented. What else have they said? Uh, well, they've talked about giving first-time buyers first dibs on new houses in their area. A report in The Guardian says they would introduce a rule making developments available for purchase to first-time buyers only for a fixed period. That time period to be agreed by local councils with developers. They've also, according to the Financial Times, this is, uh, Labour government would increase the stamp duty paid by foreign buyers of UK property, while also restricting the sale of new built properties to overseas investors under plans being drawn up for the party's general election manifesto. Okay, Labour themselves have said they're going to stop foreign buyers buying up swathes of new housing developments, but... The extra detail is seems to have come from briefings to some of these newspapers. Exactly. Okay, and uh, what else? It's also talked about changing the rules to stop speculators reaping windfall profits from the sale of land. And that comes from Labour itself, does that it? It comes from a statement saying, we would change the rules to stop the speculators reaping windfall profits from the sale of land. There's another measure, strengthening development corporations to push power out to communities, allowing local leaders to have more sway over housing and infrastructure in their local areas. And again, that's a, that's another Labour Party commitment, is it? The statement says, Labour has committed to pushing power out to communities, enabling local authorities to regain control. Okay, interesting. I wonder what they mean by that, because some people would don't traditionally associate having a development in cor- corporation in charge of planning in an area as giving more power to the local community. They see it as taking it away from local authorities. But... Um, I guess this might be one of these uh, these new ideas of these sort of locally led development corporations and maybe the idea behind it is that they can 
sees more of the um, the value generated by a grant of planning permission and reinvest that in local infrastructure or affordable housing or or whatever whatever. I think that the thing that seems to have caught people's attention is the first of those commitments, which is what they're saying about reintroducing requirements on local areas to build in line with local needs. So what are these requirements on local authorities to build in line with local need that Starmer is talking about restoring? Well, as readers of the planning will know, the draft MPPF revisions from early December weaken the link between the standard method produced local housing need number and the official housing requirement that ultimately ends up in a local plan. And in its party statement, Starmer said Labour would reverse what he described as the Prime Minister's weak, reckless, short-sighted planning changes and enforce requirements on local areas to build in line with local need. His quote in the statement is, my Labour Party won't be shy about taking on speculators and nimbyism in the name of the next generation of homeowners. Okay, but nothing more specific about... They've made a a few sort of pledges about reintroducing requirements on local areas to build in line with local need, but they're not absolutely precise about exactly what they're going to reintroduce. There's a bit of wiggle room there. Yes. Well, on on the Green Belt, they are, or at least a report in The Times, a column by Patrick Maguire, says Labour, uh, Starmer's government would also look anew at the Green Belt, swathe of which are neither green nor pleasant. These sites would be liberated, it adds. So we're kind of drawing information from various national newspaper sources and who've obviously got, uh, as you said, briefings, but it's hard to tell for sure the nitty-gritty of the policy and how it will plan out. Yes, yeah, there's been a few briefings given to a few national newspaper journalists, but quite a lot of the details, such as looking anew at the Green Belt, and I think there's, you know, Patrick Maguire's column also talks about the reintroduction of regional planning and new towns. That's all very deniable. It's not got the fingerprints of any particular senior Labour politician on it. But Exactly. Um, on collaboration, the Times, again, said that under a Starmer government councils would be a quote, made to work together to come up with plans for development at a regional level, spreading a burden few want to shoulder individually with cash and infrastructure as the prize for new housing. Well, it'll be interesting to see whether Labour will actually um, put their name to some of those ideas in, in the near future. How have the Conservatives responded to the announcement? Well, it uh, came to one of those Prime Minister's Question Times clashes where the Prime Minister told MPs that he had promised to put local people in control of new housing, something he delivered within six weeks of becoming Prime Minister. And he, aiming his comments at Starm, he said, the right honourable and learned gentleman wants to impose top-down housing targets, concrete over the green belt and ride roughshod over local communities. Previously, he's on record as saying that local people and communities should have more power and more control. Now he's U-turned, just another in a long list of broken promises, Sunak added. But Starmer hit back, saying, the only power the Prime Minister has given to local communities is not to build houses. We know why he will not change course. He admitted it last month. His councillors simply do not want to build the houses that local people need. So he's given them a way out. Okay, well, so the usual um, PMQs knock about and... um 
Rishi Sunak reading from the um, well-worn script that any uh, opponent that is um, saying that housing need needs to be met is aiming to concrete over the countryside. It is interesting, isn't it, in the last couple of weeks that there have been a, a few reports that there's maybe some misgivings among some Tory MPs that they are ceding ground on the house building issue to Labour. And if things continue as they, they currently are, it might be that the next general election that people have a clear choice between a party which says national need for housing justifies overriding local wishes on, on some occasions and other parties that aren't prepared to say that. But we'll have to see how things pan out over the coming months. House building could be a key battleground in the general election. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, Toby, well, thank you very much for that. I will uh, leave you pouring through the uh, Labour press releases and the uh, copies of Hansard and uh, look forward to seeing you in uh, Room 106 again soon. Thank you. Well, John, if I can turn to you now, you've been looking at the progress of the levelling up and regeneration bill. I understand there have been some significant developments in the last couple of weeks, so can you tell us about those? Yes, the House of Lords has agreed four government amendments to the levelling up bill. The first one, and probably the most significant one, relates to an existing power in the bill that allows authorities to refuse to determine an application from a developer that has not built out a permitted site quickly enough. So this power has been extended to allow councils to refuse any applications from such a developer across the whole local authority area. A second amendment allows uh, national statutory consultees to be able to charge for providing advice on planning applications. Thirdly, the planning inspectorate will be allowed to choose to conduct proceedings wholly or partly remotely. Finally, local authorities will be required to make sufficient provision for self and custom build sites. And this includes only allowing permissions that are intended to be built out as self or custom build as meeting their statutory duty. Okay, well, that all sounds fairly significant. But what, what might the likely implications be of these proposals to, to penalise developers that are too slow to build out permitted sites? So what's significant about this, and which some in the sector are concerned about, is that it's been a long-established principle of the UK planning system that the identity of the applicant doesn't matter when determining an application. And what does matter is what they are proposing to do with the land in question. But this principle will be fundamentally revised by this amendment. The commentators we spoke to fear that the proposal will be challenging to implement. It may unfairly penalise smaller developers and it could deter brownfield developments. So in terms of implementing the proposal, some experts felt that it would be difficult to establish the identity of applicants, which, which would be a challenge. Others warned that the risk of penalisation could have the unintended consequence of deterring developers from carrying out potentially more risky projects to regenerate brownfield sites because these tend to be more challenging to build out compared to greenfield sites. Plus, they felt that the government's proposals may have a disproportionate impact on smaller developers because they tend to operate on a more limited geography, whereas larger volume builders, if they are threatened with penalisation, will be more easily able to switch operations to different boroughs, different council areas. We actually published an analysis article last Friday that explores this in more detail if readers want to 
find that on our website. What about other amendments that might be in the pipeline? Is the government continuing to sort of tweak the bill as it goes through Parliament? Yes. So last week it tabled further amendments to the bill that would allow councils to use funds from the current system of developer contributions. So that's the community infrastructure levy and Section 106 legal agreements to support the transition to the proposed new infrastructure levy, which would replace both those current systems. So these amendments are yet to be agreed, but a government minister has described the proposal as representing a significant change from the existing regime. Have we had a chance to look at what they mean by that? I mean, are they just saying you can use Section 106 money to help you work out how you're going to do the necessary sort of administration, paperwork, et cetera, et cetera, to create the new infrastructure levy system in your authority? Or is is, is it sort of absolutely clear what they mean by, by funding the transition? Yeah, according to Baroness Scott, who's the Housing Department's Parliamentary Undersecretary of State in the House of Lords, she said that councils will be able to use receipts from SIL and Section 106 to support the administration and set up costs related to the new levy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it just it sounds like it's um to help people, as you say, sort of fund the cost and the and the work involved in 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 changing the system. Yeah, and I'm sure that's going to be a lot of work for local authorities. So whether that would how far that that would go or how much help that would be um, remains to be seen. Yes, and of course we know that this is expected to happen over a very long time period. This transition to the new system, ten years. Um, but um, and um, what what else has has sort of stood out in the last three weeks? The Housing and Planning Minister, Rachel McLean, and a senior official in the Housing Department have appeared in front of MPs at the Leveling Up Housing and Communities Select Committee, in which they set out the government's latest thinking on its changes to the planning system. And this included the proposals to replace the legal duty to cooperate, the watering down of the requirement for councils to meet their local housing need, and also details on when the government might respond to its um, its consultation on changes to the MPPF that was published just before Christmas. Okay, so what do they say about plans to replace the duty on local authorities to cooperate on major strategic matters, which um, has been widely criticised as having failed to get councils to cooperate across boundaries in addressing housing need issues? Well, the government has proposed replacing the duty with what it calls a new alignment policy. And the details on this have been quite sketchy. But the idea is that it's going to be less, it seems to be less stringent than the duty to cooperate, which is a legal duty. And if councils can't meet that, then it's a kind of game over for their local plan. So the government's yet to consult on the details for the alignment policy. But Emran Mian, who's the regeneration Director General at the Housing Department told the Select Committee. He gave some sense of of when the alignment policy, this this alignment test, would be used, and he said that infrastructure projects that span different local council boundaries were an example, or setting biodiversity net gain and nature recovery strategies, which are both um, new requirements that are coming in under the Environment Act. But he also said that the government is stepping away from using the alignment test as a way of delivering housing numbers. And this was pretty notable because he also pointed out the committee that housing delivery has been one of the most challenging areas for the duty to cooperate. And that's one area where it hasn't been working. 
And I think there was a big expectation in the sector that this was precisely what the alignment test was meant to do, was meant to sort of solve this problem of how, in the absence of sort of formal strategic planning structures, councils are going to work together to meet this this issue of housing need, which has been such a, a massive issue for planning in the last decade. So I think a lot of people would be quite surprised that him saying that, in fact, the um, the government is stepping away from using the alignment test in this area and how exactly what exactly that means. I mean, how exactly is the, is the government proposing to solve this issue? Presumably there is there is no information about how they intend to address those disputes across boundaries about which authority deals with housing need, which is uh, ex- extends across more than one local authority area. Yeah, at the moment, no. And what, what did the minister and officials say about the weakening of the requirement for councils to meet their local housing need? Well, in December, the government announced that it was intending to allow councils greater flexibility on on meeting housing need and then it set out details in its draft revisions to the MPPF published just before Christmas and this included a revision making clear that local authorities would not be required to review and alter greenbelt boundaries even if this was the only way they could meet need in full and speaking at the select committee Emran Mian the senior official said that he defended this saying that greenbelt reviews were very time-consuming and tends to lead to what you call massive local controversy and end up impeding adoption of the local plan. And he also said that getting up-to-date local plans in place was the best way of ensuring overall increased housing delivery. So him and um, the minister also played down claims that the government's December announcement had caused many councils to delay their local plans. And we've been following this closely, the number of councils that have um, delayed their local plans in the last 18 months, particularly since December. While McLean insisted the government remained committed to the Conservatives' 2019 manifesto commitment to, to deliver 300,000 homes per annum. She said that was fit for purpose. This is despite councils being given more leeway to um, depart from their housing need figures. Okay. And what do they say about when the government might respond to the um, its consultation on the, on the draft NPPF revisions? Basically, both Rachel McLean and Mian said that the government doesn't have a date by which it expects to be able to respond to the um, the consultation or implement the planned changes. When the government published its um, consultation document on the MPPF just before Christmas, it said it would issue its response by spring 2023, publishing the framework revisions as part of this so that policy changes can take effect as soon as possible. But then Mian told MPs that the government did not have a date by which we will publish our response to the consultation. He said the government wants to work through responses carefully and there are a lot of issues to cover as part of that. He said they're trying to do that as quickly as possible. McLean was also asked if there was a time frame for the implementation of any final changes to both the MPPF or the Leveling Up and Regeneration Bill, which, as we've spoken about earlier, is currently at committee stage in the House of Lords. But she wasn't. She wasn't able to specify a time frame for that. Okay, you know, it wasn't so long ago that they were saying spring twenty three, which you know, although not a very precise time frame, mm-hmm. is um, at least suggested that we should have a resolution on both of those by the middle of June. But whether yeah. or not that's uh, the case now um, remains to be seen. Okay, and what about other key news stories that uh, people should be aware of from the last three weeks? Well, firstly, we had the local elections last week where planning and development issues seem to have played a significant role in the results in many places. We've highlighted five such councils where the Conservatives lost control, four in Berkshire 
Hertfordshire and Kent, where commentators suggested that opposition to high housing growth was central. Also one in Gloucestershire, where the Conservatives appear to have fallen victim to pro-development sentiment. Oh, really interesting to see see that happening. Mm. But yeah, also it will be interesting to see whether the um, evidence from the elections that anti-development feeling can, is as potent as ever at the ballot box, whether that makes Labour nervous about sticking to its uh, its new commitments that we've been discussing elsewhere to require councils to meet housing need. Okay, and, and anything else? Yes, Barclay Homes, one of the country's biggest house builders, has announced that it, it wants to take the housing secretary, Michael Gove, to court, seeking a judicial review over what it calls his irrational decision to block its plans for a 165-home scheme which was partly on the grounds of what the uh, minister described as its generic and suburban design. In other news, the government has published a consultation which reveals that proposals to cap the amounts that landowners receive when their property is compulsorily purchased will be restricted to certain developments that can demonstrate a high public benefit, such as affordable housing and health and educational facilities. Okay. And finally, the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has accused a Liberal Democrat-run council, Hinckley and Bosworth in Leicestershire, that postponed the submission of its draft local plan for examination and in doing so cited government planning changes as a reason. He accused it of failing in its duty towards its communities. Okay, interesting. And anything from the more left-field end of the uh, spectrum? Yes, one of our most read stories from the past three weeks is a report on the ending of an agreement between two neighbouring authorities, Peterborough City Council and Fenland Borough Council, to share a range of planning services. And this is after a planning director in one of the councils said that the agreement had resulted in them having no staff to do our own local plans. And a councillor in the other authority described the move as a bombshell. Okay. I think we've covered one or two stories like this over the years, haven't we, of councils providing services to other councils, mm. almost acting as consultants in return for a fee. And uh, interesting that one of one such council has found itself in a position where doing that has made it hard for it to deliver its own planning service. Yes, but actually the, the agreement in question here with Peterborough and uh, neighbouring Fenland was actually one that we sort of looked at as a case study a few years ago as a kind of exemplar of shared services. So. Oh, right. That's really interesting. Okay, well, thanks very much, John. Of course, um, listeners can read more on all of these stories at planningresource.co.uk. But I think our work is done. Let's get out before there are any more announcements or decisions. Great, that's another fortnight summarised. Yes, we'll be back with a bonus edition next week when we'll be taking a deep dive into the merits of the complaints about planning made by Jeremy Clarkson and his team on the Clarkson's Farm series. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe wherever you normally get your podcasts and to get a daily bulletin of planning news plus weekly analysis and specialist bulletins, subscribe at planningresource.co.uk. Look out for the Net Zero Connect conference which is to be held on the 21st of June in Birmingham and in which planning is a partner. And our thanks to producers Hannah Holt from Haymarket Business Media and Daisy Chaku from Rethink. And thanks for listening. Goodbye.